So, Mel, we've got Nikki from Blind Grid on today. Yeah. This is something you are clearly buzzing about. I've watched uh, a video for their, I guess, crowdfunding campaign they had for their fashion label. That was amazing. She seems like she's pretty incredible, but you're giving off some serious energy at the moment. So you clearly, even though you've just driven two and a half hours or something through a lot of roadworks, you've got some definite vibe going on. I'm really excited about this one because I've only met her once and talked to her once and it was about three years ago and she just came up to me and said, I really like your shoes and we just started talking and out of that I found out she was a fashion designer, which of course is why it's etched in my memory forever because no one else thinks that I'm fashionable at all, but she's legally blind. So I know you're probably thinking that's probably why she commented you on your fashion because she couldn't see what she was commenting on, but that's not the case. I'll, I'll never go for that answer, Joe. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the case at all. And just I only spoke to her for about 10 minutes and there was enough drive and, well, grit for a better word because she's used it in her, in her branding to just – I've, I saved her in my phone and I'm like, that is going to be important number to have in the future. And it has been. And I'm really excited to get to know a bit more of her story with you. It's amazing sometimes where you just have a feeling about someone that, if you're in the content game like we are, yeah, that's a person that's got something about them. I've got to make sure that I keep that. Yeah. That note. And, and even as far as going back to it sometimes and thinking about who is that person again? Yeah. Like, what's their deal? <laughs> I just knew. There was something about that interaction. She was just very different, and I, I love things that are different. And, I mean, she's not a thing. She's a person. But I, I love people that are unique and unequivocally themselves. And, yeah, I just saved her number, and now we're, we've got her on the podcast. Excellent. And I'm also very excited. I think I'm picking up on your energy here. Yeah. Just talking of people who are, who are unique. We've had some donations on buymeacoffee.com slash Joshua C. Liston. We even had someone donate five coffees at $3 each in the last episode. So that's just, when I saw that, it seems like such an insignificant amount of money. No. But it just means that, A, that what we're doing obviously is good enough that someone thought, oh, I'm going to give some money to that. That's cool. But also it kind of just felt like, ah, this is a real thing. <laughs> Like, we've had other donations before, but that one was five in one go. So. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of the closest thing I've ever had towards any form of commitment as well. <laughs> so yeah. now that someone's actually Paid. giving us five <laughs> coffees, I better... Yeah, the whole coffee I'm thing. invested now. <laughs> it probably seemed like imaginary coffees to mill up until that donation, so... I want to get me one of them as well. Yeah, we'll so, wait till after we talk to Nikki. Yeah, that'd be good. Just a few more donations would be great, folks. And buymeacoffee.com, please. Correct. Go to Punching Sideways, press a button, share the episode. And this is Nikki from Blind Grit. Talon, can you be quiet now because they're recording? Okay. So, shush. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was effective. <laughs> Maybe you should try that with me, Josh. No, I don't think that would work. I could start the same way, though. Children. 
Um, okay. Welcome to the Punching Sideways podcast, Nikki. I'm super excited to have you on here because you're a bit of a fashion icon. And of course, we would have met talking about fashion from anyone that knows me. Yes. And what you can see right now via Skype. I'm very fashion forward, but you you sort of pointed out some pink shoes that I had and we were just in center point and you made a big comment about how nice they were and I was very flattered because no one ever comments me on how how nice my clothes are. And then you came forward and said that um, you're actually a fashion designer, which is amazing. So can you tell me a little bit? So you're part of Blind Grit. Well, you've yes. made Blind Grit. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey? So where it sort of started and what made you sort of get into get into fashion, I suppose? Absolutely, yes. Um, and I remember your little pink ballet shoes. And, uh, yeah, so you, 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 you may well be the most fashion-forward person in your, in your office, Mel. Um, I am apparently Australia's first legally blind fashion designer, which I'm um, – very exciting. I'm very proud of that and also kind of it's kind of a little surprising and, and a wee bit disappointing and shocking as well, but, but but I'm certainly very proud. And fashion design was always that, that happy little escape I'd go to in my head when I was younger, I guess as a teenager, and then I'd do it all my life. I'd go look in shops and think, oh, I love that, and I'd just do it a little bit more that way and this way. And so it was my little escape escape place in my head. But I'm really a rather practical person and I thought that was dreadfully, a, a terribly unpractical career to pursue. So I went and did other more practical things and I was doing, uh, I did public relations and mostly worked for Red Cross and Red Cross Blood Service. And then when I became a mother for the first time in my early 30s, I had a stroke that left me permanently legally blind at the same time as becoming a mummy. So because my little world was rather turned upside down, when I finally did get back into thinking about what am I going to do, you know, for, for work, I guess, to express my potential in the world, I I figured I was um, I was going to give fashion design a go. My practical little life had had been completely turned upside down. I thought, all right, I'm going to give this a go. So that's that's what led to it in the first instance. Yeah, no, there's, how, a, there's so amazing. much there that it's hard to know where to go really just from that. But. <laughs> so firstly for me, the first thing that, that comes about is that you've taken something that would necessarily to a lot of people see as being downtrodden and you've flipped it on its head and now you're the first legally blind fashion designer in Australia. So instead of saying, chucking your toys out of the cot and saying, that's it, I can't do anything anymore, you've you've done the complete opposite and used it as what can I now do to, to, to express yourself in ways that you maybe can't have done in the public relations or anything like that in the previous life of yours and you just, wow. Like I'm, I, I, I'm really, I'm really excited about this. So, do you think that part of, you know, your practical skills has helped you now with your more expressive skills that you're expressing with your fashion? Uh, no doubt about it. And I guess when it did, 
you know, because people are often kind of shocked and, oh, my goodness, um, imagine becoming legally blind at the same time as you become a mother. But for yeah, me, I've I got think to admit, that... I'm, I'm kind of stuck on that, Nikki. Like, are you? How, how, how were you when you first became a mother? <laughs> well, I was pretty bad at it. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm still coming. Sorry, I'm just probably stuck about two minutes ago in my head. Yeah. Just one. Sorry, yeah. So we don't have to dig into that. I guess it's probably a backwards detour. But if it is okay, no, now, not yeah, yeah just, not. Can you talk us through that? Obviously, you were coming to a personal adjustment. Yeah, and also a mother for the first time. And I'm assuming any mothers out there or parents in general are probably thinking that's the hardest thing I've ever done. How could you put something else on top of that? That seems impossible. Yeah, that's right. And I do understand that that's kind of where people's mindset is at. But for, for me, I think the fact that this beautiful little baby came into my, you know, I became a mum for the first time. And that that just took, that just took centre stage, so to speak. The legal blindness almost had to take a bit of a back seat, which is not to say that it wasn't, there weren't things that were really difficult. And I'll just clarify for your viewers that I I do have some vision. I'm not completely blind. I'm legally blind. I can see out of half of one eye. But I have no depth perception, you know, can't judge speed and distance. I have no peripheral vision. And you need two eyes to focus. So I can't, it's almost like um, when people ask me to describe it, it's almost like trying to get a hold of details in a dream. You know, when you try and hold an image in a dream, you just can't. You kind of know what's going on around you but you can't quite get a hold of anything I can never quite focus even though I feel like I can see stuff so I I can see and there were definitely things that were extremely difficult obviously I can't drive for one but as soon as I realized I was going to be able to see the detail in my baby's face and that I was going to be able to read him books because I was looking forward to reading to my babies um, I think I was so relieved that like the rest was oh, I'll cope with this and you just you just you just do what you're doing and I just had this beautiful baby to focus on so I think that was um it, it coming in the legal blindness coming into my life came into my life along with you know the bestest thing ever the thing that is most full of love and purpose for me which I'm sure sounds a little bit um oh, a little bit <laughs> yeah but it's true I mean being a mum is is by far the bestest thing and it, it's it's all linked hand in hand with that. So for me that kind of, I don't know, it almost softened it and certainly intertwined it with love and very good things. Sorry, just to get back onto yeah. the practical, because I know I derailed us a little there, you were telling us, Nikki, about what previous skills I guess you'd built up during your career in PR, public relations, that you've actually integrated into the fashion stuff. So do we just want to go back to that quickly and then we can? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when I did get around to thinking what am I going to do for work because I, you know, definitely been told, oh, you know, you probably won't work again but you'll be able to do volunteer work and such if you want. And that's a devastating thing to hear for someone who loves work. Yeah, so I guess I and, and I did go for jobs and I think I was a bit naive because I don't I don't look legally blind. I have one I have an invisible disability, I think, you know. Some people you can quite clearly see there is a disability and some people you you know that that's not obvious when you meet them. And I would do well in interviews and 
you know, to get down to the final thing and that, that you know, want to know if I had a licence, which I would just not, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd sometimes lie on the application, just tick yes and think I'll just deal with that when we get closer. Try to get in and, the room. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, um, because I knew I could work around it. But, um, you know, they'd say, oh, well, you know, we're really sorry we're not set up for someone with visual oh. impairment. When, when they didn't actually even know what that meant, like they didn't actually ask me, well, what do you need? But anyway, that that's it, it's okay. I You know, I was a bit naive and I went for jobs. I thought I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm slow. I'm slow. I can't read as much. I can still use a computer. I'm very, very slow. But I thought, whatever I can't do at work, I'll just do it at home. That's all right. I can do this. But I, I couldn't. So eventually I thought, well, I, I'm kind of going to have to create my own job. And I very, very purposefully pulled in together the things that felt most meaningful to me, the things that felt most joyous and creative and fun to me and the things that I knew I was, you know, that I, that I was naturally pretty good at, that I was naturally okay at. And public relations, of course, is crucial for any business, any business at all. So those public relations skills are um you know, I think that's just been of huge benefit because, of course, starting a business is difficult anyway, but I think starting a creative business, you know, often creative souls really struggle with combining that business platform, the business. And I, I love it. I find public relations and branding and business quite creative. So um, I think it's been a huge asset to me here. Yeah. I'm sitting here just very impressed right now. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> Mel's impressed voice. I'm, I'm just loving the attitude of you just saying, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And even to the point where Josh brought up about having a baby and just being like, well, that being legally blind isn't the worst thing in the world. It's It's a hindrance potentially, but it's also now flipped stuff on its head and you're probably seeing through things through a different perspective that you might not have seen if this hadn't have happened. Would you agree with that or? Oh, absolutely. And I find it really amusing, um, you know, when I talk talk to people and tell the story in interviews and such, it, it, you know, what it's I chose to pursue my dream after acquiring a disability and because something I like to highlight to people and um, I, I do some mentorship with Vision Australia and I've been part of their wonderful careers platform that they have for youth, youth with vision impairment, which is around getting them to think outside the square around what they can be when they grow up, you know, and I feel quite, I really feel very passionately about society understanding that that you know, that idea of little boys and girls dreaming about what they want to be when they grow up can be quite elitist in terms of not applicable to many little boys and girls with a disability. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a fireman, except I'm in a wheelchair. So, oh, what do you want to be? I want to be an air hostess. I want to be a fashion designer. I want to be a photographer. You know, um, th and I think able-bodied people can, can I, I guess, it's a, it's a privilege and it's an important privilege. It's very, very, very important for children to be able to, to dream, I want to do this, and not have that 
kind of discounted extremely early on in their life. You know, I'm quite fascinated in the link between um, aspiration and motivation with trauma and or disability, you know, where that, where that sits. Uh, and I don't think... I don't think we take that into account very much. I, I think, I ho hopefully, I think we will be more and more and possibly, you know, that process is is starting. But because I feel very passionately about this and speak about it whenever I get the opportunity, frankly, it amuses me that I followed my dream when I acquired my disability. I didn't follow it when I was able-bodied. I thought, Jesus, no, that's too hard. And I became legally blind and a single mum and went, yeah, yeah, let's give that a go. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, and, and this, this might be speaking out of term a little bit, but do you think also your disability sets you apart, though, that maybe it has made it harder for you behind the scenes, but it also gives you a completely different brand than anyone else. So yes. it might help you in some ways. And I think that people should, well, from my perspective, use those little quirks and different things that they have about them and lean into them and and say that, you know, that's part of your brand. Go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I first when I created my first collection in 2015, I didn't put anywhere in the material that I was legally blind. I thought I don't want people to know. Yep. And then I started researching other visually impaired clothes designers in Australia and I couldn't find any. So I was looking further afield and I could find them around the world, you know. Of course, the French have a couple and the US have, uh, I think, probably four. The Ukraine has one. The UK has two, I think. There might be even more now. I'm not, I'm not sure, but this is when I was looking a few years back. And I kept looking, 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 looking for one in Australia and I called Vision Australia and said, look, do you know any? And they went, oh, not offhand, but there will be, there will be. And <laughs> I connected with Vision Australia more and more as the business grew. And oh, what was it? I don't know, 18 months or two years ago, they <laughs> contacted me and said, look, there isn't another one. We're going to write a story, you know, yeah. <laughs> how Dickie became Australia's first blind fact. So it was only when I, because I used to say possibly, possibly, possibly Australia's first lit. I thought surely they're out there. But now as soon as Vision Australia declared it, I thought, yeah, fair enough. But it was that process of looking and thinking, gosh, there's, I can't find people with visual impairment in the fashion industry. And then I was looking more widely at disability within the fashion industry and that kind of, I guess that that made me think, gosh, that's um, that's not great. And I mean, obviously, you don't see it around you visually. You're starting to see it a little more now. But my worry is that that's tokenistic. <laughs> that that people with a disability are the flavour of the month, so to so to speak. And you you, but the thing is, the people making the decisions about the inclusion of disability and how we're represented are able-bodied people currently. So I really, really, really then wanted to start a fashion label that could, I guess, almost like rebranding this group of people as, you know, because words like desirability and prestige, you know, you don't, it, they're just not linked to people with disability. Mind you, the things like... Um, uh, the Invictus Games, I think, you, you know, starts to do a bit of that. 
But to me, you know, that value, that value and that desirability and that prestige in people who live with disability and survive trauma is so strong. And I guess I want, I want that, I want that out there. And I would really like to see people with disability in more decision-making positions in general in society because there's still a huge vacuum there. And and in fashion, it will be, at the moment we rely on, you know, the big brands with lots of money, able-bodied people trying to, you know, they, I think we're largely included when they think they can get some media attention for that, and they do. And I don't actually mind that too much, Mel, to come back full circle. I That doesn't bother me at all. I don't bother being the... It doesn't bother me to be the token interesting person that is a really great place to be in order to then say what I'd like to say and tell the stories of all the incredible people who are part of the Blind Grit team. So, yeah, absolutely, I'm aware that I stand out because I am the first in Australia and it's an unusual thing for um, a visually impaired legally blind person to do fashion design and as I go on further and further I think oh that's that's why there isn't another one in Australia it's really hard (laughs) (laughs) do you mind if I ask just going back to you said earlier Nikki that you were when you first had the product come out the the first range that you had that you didn't want to make really any public elements about the fact that you were it was coming from a place of someone that has a disability. Was that because you wanted the original range to be viewed purely on the merit of the range, not on the story associated? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that I created it, um, I just wanted to see if I could create a collection. I thought, yeah, right, sorry, I'm collection, I'm using the wrong terms. <laughs> no, you're not. You didn't, you didn't know that it was because it, it wasn't. It wasn't for sale as such, and it still isn't. Hopefully it will be one day. I keep getting asked about it. But anyway, so I created this collection. I thought I just want to give it a go. I started in January 2015, and I'm a bit of a a a timeline kind of person. I like a deadline to work to. So I thought I'm going to create it for the Prix de Marie Claire Awards because I do love Australian Marie Claire because they often combine a little bit of topical stuff with with the fashion. I do like that. And that you had to have your your entry in in on November the seventh, and it's an online competition. So you don't send the clothing in, you design it, you create it, you get it photographed, you turn it into what's called a lookbook, an electronic lookbook with some branding, with photos, description, send it in. So I did all of that, and yes, there was no mention at all in there of the fact that I was legally blind. None of that, because I wanted it looked at purely on merit yeah I thought people might look at it differently if they knew I was legally blind this was before I'd even looked whether there were others uh and I I actually sent it in with an entry form from the previous year because all year as I'm creating this collection I'm trying to find the entry forms for 2015 so anyway I sent it in I had it all done on time and the public relations manager at Marie Claire called me upon receipt of it and said oh I've got your entry here Nikki thank you so much but the fashion component of the Prix de Marie Claire awards is only on every second year and this isn't one of them (laughs) (laughs) hence me not being able to find the correct form however was fine because I had a lovely um 
a deadline to work to. But the other great thing about that was she didn't spin it. And being public relations person in my previous line, I just would have said, you know, that's great, thank you, and and binned it and said, you know, please, please send in next year or whatever. You know, you can't be just holding on to that stuff. She didn't bin it. She sent it to both the fashion editor and to the chief editor, and that was when I thought, oh, that's that's a that's a bit of um a tiny bit of a vote of confidence there from an industry giant, and maybe I can do this. And that's when I started looking at at, at where I sat in the market. If there were other, if I should use, you know, should mention the fact because I felt that was a bit of validation without the mentioning of the legal blindness. I thought, okay, they actually like the designs, regardless. They they have no idea I'm legally blind. So I started to look at where I was positioned then and realised there was no others in Australia, and thought, hang on, that's not good. And the the idea of blind grit was created. I'm just wowing right now. And I'm learning a lot like about it. fashion, which as anyone could testament to how I'm sitting right now is not the lane that I usually lean in. It's not in your well, top half any, dozen skills, that's for sure. If it's any consolation, Mel, so have I been. Yeah, <laughs> in the last five years. What do they say? Fra- fashion is just an expression of yourself. So yeah. we've got but, an we've got an expert. Don't ask me. There you go, Nikki. What what is what is fashion? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that, Mel. And it's that lovely idea of, um, you know, it's like Superman putting on the cape sometimes, and it is an expression of your self. And you know, hence when you go on a date or you go on a job interview or you you know you you dress up, it does in fact change how you feel about yourself. And I. Uh, I'm part of the Disability Leadership Institute of Australia and I regularly hear through my colleagues there that when they first became wheelchair-bound, they would wear just, you know, very comfy, trekky pants, stuff that I wear all the time, actually, frankly, but, um, you know, that, that that's all they would wear because it was comfy and they didn't, like, they, they didn't feel that clothing was part of part of who they were anymore and that 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 just that just really started to mess with their mental health after 12 months or so and when they started to dress up again and 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 express themselves through clothing and hair and makeup and just the way they presented in the world how how important that was for them how great it felt uh yeah it it's it's obviously we only need a certain amount of clothing in terms of protecting us from the hot, the cold, the whatever. But, you know, fashion is a whole different thing. It's it's a whole little art form and a whole way of, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's social communication, isn't it? The more you build your brand up, do you think that you would then lean into designing for people with other disabilities um, like the wheelchair, uh, people in wheelchairs and that because I, I've heard and I, I don't know this for sure because I am very lucky to have a functional body and don't have to be in a wheelchair but like even stuff as like your pants and your top and the, the length of your jackets and stuff needs to be different to accommodate like the wheels and everything like that. Is that something that you would look into or bringing 
some of those people that you were just talking about on board to um, develop fashion lines for them? I don't know. Possibly I like to create very versatile fashion uh, and fashion that you can tweak a little bit for your own purposes anyway. But Carol Taylor, who your viewers can have a little Google of, and you can, the wonderful Karen Taylor, who is not just Australia's first but indeed the world's first um, quadriplegic designer who who had her clothing in, is it Mercedes Fashion Week? God, I'm going to forget the branding wrong. That'll be oh, the one in Brisbane anyway uh, last year. Now, she is in a wheelchair and she tailors things specifically for, you know, evening wear for people who are wheelchair-bound, or she has done thus far. And I guess... Uh, I am no expert at all in being in a wheelchair. I'm, I'm, I'm as much of an expert at being in a wheelchair as, as you are, Mel. I don't know. I do not know. And I guess I create, I guess like a, an author or an artist or whatever, I kind of do what I know. What I do know is because I don't drive, I'm forever walking and riding my bike and taking public transport and whatnot, and I get so, and I'm fair-skinned, I'm fair-skinned, and I sunburn just looking out the window at the sun. So walking, riding bikes, uh, I get very, very sunburned. You know, I have to wear sensible shoes and clothing all the time. And I hate that, you know, that payoff of, of do I wear something that I don't get sunburnt in and that I'm not going to have blisters and comfortable or do I look businesslike or sexy or whatever. So I... I kind of I design along those lines, as in things that you can you can comfortably move around in and look sexy, professional, fun, whatever. Uh, so that's kind of how I design. And I'd like to work a little bit more with Carol Taylor. Carol Taylor and I were just speaking a couple of weeks ago, and Carol Taylor and I have a little bit of something in the pipeline, which is very cool. <laughs> Good to know. Um, just just quickly, so you've been in. How does it? How does someone go about getting this? Their what is it, Josh? Collection. The, the collection <laughs> into uh, into Fashion Week. Oh well, I have to say, I'm extremely lucky. There, I'm well aware how lucky I am that the two times I've been in, I've actually been asked I, I mean I did fill in the form the second time because they sent it through they needed it for admin stuff but both times I was asked and again Mel I'm, I'm aware that I am an interest factor and I hope that my designs are credible regardless of that interest factor um, and I don't mind at all, uh, you, you know, utilising that interest factor to, to uh, you know, to, to tell the stories of the fact. At, at Melbourne Fashion Week this year we had my social media manager who's from Sydney. She is also legally blind. She's no, brilliant. I love this. <laughs> did, you, did, did you see her? She's been on yeah. Channel 9 News. She's just brilliant. And, and. Uh, Philip Watt, who's our photographer, who who lives with um, a few different layers of disability, he was up in the media 
pack with, you know, all the fashionista media and that was the absolute highlight of Melbourne Fashion Week for me this year and that's what I want. That's what feels successful and exciting, being there with um, uh, with Debbie and Philip. Uh, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. That feels so great. Do you know what I really like about this is that you're doing everything against what would be perceived to be your lane. And I'm often told, <laughs> stay in your lane, Mel, stay in your lane. That's not your lane. But you've just jumped lanes and maybe you can yeah. just say, I can't see where the lane is anyway because. Nikki's oh. making things and you're talking about your driving. Yeah, yeah. But you, you can. Yeah, but, well, Mel, I wouldn't be in my lane if I was driving. So. Yeah. So you've just jumped lanes because you can't see where they are anyway, so it and doesn't matter. Just does, doing- that, does that go back to the video for the crowdfunding campaign that Nikki had for Blind Grit about allowing yourself and the team to step out beyond expectations? And that might not, that's paraphrasing, but that's what yeah, I really got from that video was. Oh, this great, is, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad you did. Yeah, I I use the term comfort zone comfort because zone, that's because yeah, when I was trying to think of what do I you know what do I want blind how do I how do I create this value what do I because I just feel it so strongly how do I how do I get this out there how do I replicate it it's it's how do I make it tangible it's that idea of the value in being out of your comfort zone because you really can't grow in any way shape or form without it as in. Fitness-wise, you do not get any fitter if you don't push yourself physically. You don't get any stronger unless you lift heavier. You must push out. If if you're in your comfort zone, not only are you not getting fitter, your comfort zone is going to get smaller, smaller, smaller. You're going to get less fit. So just for, in terms of physicalness, physicalness, I don't think that's a word. It is, um, it is yeah. <laughs> we should come up with a, like a dictionary of yeah. all the words that get made up on Punching Sideways. Yeah. I'm going to start writing it down. Yeah. Note to self, physicalness. Okay, that's that's number one. You're, yeah. you're now number one on, on yeah. a couple of lists, including that one. Um, but, yeah, that concept of, of pushing outside your comfort zone. And, again, it's something that corporates do all the time. You know, they send their CEOs off to do getting out of your comfort zone stuff to bring out all the incredible qualities that come along with that. And they they do. This is very, very true. But two things about that, one is people who survive trauma and live with disability live outside a comfort zone as a daily experience of living. We live outside our comfort zone. We're experts at it. The other thing is you can't really you can't really fake it. You can't. Like if you've got the comfort of knowing you can take a blindfold off or if you've got the comfort of knowing you can, someone's going to save you from being in the jungle or whatever, you know, you, you can't really replicate that sense of being uh, out of control, vulnerable, outside your comfort zone. It's, so you can't quite dig in and, and, and get into all those incredible qualities. And they're qualities like, obviously, resilience. Resilience is a word that's used an awful lot. But also, you know, creativity, innovation, again, innovation, is a word that's used such a lot and that, you, you know, industry is and government, are, they want innovation so much, yet yet I feel like they don't utilise a, a pool of people who are just 
natural innovators and yeah. have the decision-making <laughs> positions. Also, I feel it, it can connect you to, um, you know, things that are deeply human. Also, I think it it helps you be, you, you know, you're, you're innately a um, inclusive thinker, you know, and, and we're trying to work towards, you know, re- resilience, innovation, leadership, inclusion, all these things that... Um, and creativity, all these things that living with disability, living outside your comfort zone, surviving trauma, uh, living in that space, you really have the opportunity to to build those. They are often strongly innate and it's around 20% of the population. You know, it's a lot of people and I do this all the time. I get so lost in a point I'm trying to make that I completely forget what the question was and whether or not I've answered it. You might that, be the, the perfect me. guest for punching sideways. <laughs> this is the quietest I've been in a long time because usually I'm the one that's off on this this rabbit oh, warren yeah, thing that yeah. goes along and and you, you're sort of stepping up to the plate a little bit. But I like it because I can see, well, no one else can see right now, but just the way you're talking, Evan, you're so passionate about what, you, about what you're talking yeah. about. And that's why you're you, you're continuing to go. I won't, for a better word, go on about it because <laughs> because um, yes, you're so invested in it, and it's it's a nice thing to to yeah. see. I think a little and bit I've, of confusion means that you're still figuring it out for yourself as well. Yeah, like if you're still trying to find where you. Because this happens to me all the time in interviews, and just because I've been doing this for about eight eight or nine years now. I never quite get straight to the point, but usually, <laughs> usually I discover something about what I'm talking about that I didn't know before by getting lost along the way. You do, don't you? I love that. I love that concept of getting lost. And I've remembered what you were saying too. So I got lost, and then I remembered yeah. you were saying about staying in your lane yeah. and, uh, and 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 saying you know that possibly I can't actually even see the lane, and therefore why should I even stay in it, um, <laughs> or why should I be expected to? <laughs> However, I have to say in my little misdetermined way I can see the lane and it and it's yeah I'm one of those people who just goes oh good grief why have you not created this lane get out of the way bring me a bulldozer a quiet one not not one that's going to be too noisy and harm people (laughs) a nice gentle one I'm going to build you this new lane because it should have been built and it's really good people are going to love it it's going to be fabulous I know you don't understand it but you'll be loving it once it's built. <laughs> Just stand back, let me build it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that so much. <laughs> Is that a good way? It's, to, a, it's yeah. a perfect way to end because, yeah, make your own lane. Yeah, yeah, I love it. People need to get out of the get out of their own heads and stop pigeonholing people and things into yeah. compartments and you've just yeah. said it very articulately. <laughs> and and can I'm not can I share something with Nikki? Yeah. Nikki, I just wanted to let you know it's obviously been an absolute pleasure for me getting to experience your energy today, which Mel had told me about. But I've never actually had a guest on any show that I've been involved in where I didn't know them real like better than they knew me, and and or oh. Mel obviously knows you, but I didn't. So this has been a real pleasure. That the first time ever that I didn't really know the guest, it's been such an awesome time. Oh, thank you. I am delighted. Well, nice to know you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. It's it's been a big pleasure. Yeah. Very it's been much excellent. So. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Mel, and thank you for uh, pink ballet shoes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. They're probably not quite as pretty as you remember. No, they're still pretty. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Righto. <laughs> Mel, that was really, as I think you may have said, either in the interview or after, the word impressive. Very impressive. I don't think you've, um, when she when she came in and she did her shh thing to her kids. Yeah, which I'll make sure we put at the start of yeah. the episode. <laughs> <laughs> or was it, woo, I don't know how, how it Whatever went. it was, anyway, it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. And, but... That wasn't necessary towards me for that whole episode because I was just super intrigued with what she was saying. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of story there and I want to I want to know more actually. But I just really like the idea of going against the grain of what expectation has been put upon you. Yeah. And that's where I think it, was, it excites me. Was Nikki's story somewhat validating for yourself as well. I mean, we've talked in the past about that you are kind of a self-confessed recalcitrant, but maybe it's not quite as aggressive as recalcitrance as much as you live a little against the grain and you seem to thrive when you're pushing back a tiny bit against the system. Yeah, and I think you can can probably have tell when I was sitting there, no one, I was trying to sit very quietly, but super excited because... Just even with her having a stroke, like I can relate to that, not because I've had a stroke, but I've gone through stuff where I'm supposed to be dead. Like I've had kidney failure and I was told that you're done pretty much. And I was like, nah, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, pushing back against the system. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, you might say that, but I've got other ideas for Uh, you right now. I've got other plans, Mr. (laughs) Doctor Person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I really like that mentality and the same way that she sort of said as well, it fascinates me how some people will get caught in what they're told that they should and shouldn't be able to do and other people have an ability to flip that on its head and go, nah, you're not telling me what I'm capable of. Yeah. So... That's probably why I was more excited. I'm like, there is more of us. I'm not just this little rec- – well, I'm very recalcitrant. You are. Like, yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, so the doctors told me that I was supposed to be dead. We haven't really – there's probably people that are getting <laughs> yeah. to know you on the show more, Mel, that may not have ever heard anything before you. No, we uh, probably should talk about it Yeah, I think it so, because we're point. probably going a little bit too much <laughs> yeah. into it now, and it's just kind it, of surface-level stuff. And it's the surface-level thing. Basically, you're incredibly fortunate to have me on the podcast right now. I think that every yeah. time I see you, to yeah, be honest, exactly. considering what we've talked about off-air. So. And just wanted to touch on the fact that considering we are, we'll have been talking to someone that's so high up in fashion, I actually heard on the project last night that trackies are on trend and I've been waiting, like, so basically I've been on trend for the last 10 years. Yeah, okay. And just everyone else is catching up. And you'd think it's got nothing to do with a worldwide coronavirus-based <laughs> isolation. Maybe trackies is the only option. I've been preparing for corona <laughs> my whole life. Just like I was preparing yeah. for I've, social distancing. Oh, but you've been preparing from a social distancing perspective and I've been preparing in a is it okay to oh. not put effort into what you look like? <laughs> Correct. You're definitely good at that. So 
for anyone listening, yeah, keep supporting the show at buymeacoffee.com slash Joshua C. Liston or go to Punching Sideways and press a button and give us some coffees because we're literally the two people that are going to get you through the next worldwide pandemic. <laughs> Me from social distancing, Mel from fashion. Exactly. Like these people don't even know how much we're doing for them already. <laughs> no, but they should know and we're about to keep telling them, obviously. Yeah. Episode after episode. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> Firstly, I would just like to say thank you to anyone that has donated coffee. And I don't know who you are, you little beneficiary. I think that, that you Mel's are. feeling the same way that I am about it, that it just made things all feel. I mean, we've had other donations before and I've made money off shows before, but it made it feel a little bit more real than what it did before that. Yeah. Does this mean like it has to be Facebook official that we're like we're a team now? <laughs> Is that a thing? We probably need a page since I've had people say, why don't you have a page? Yeah. Okay, we'll sort that out. I really don't like this whole, you know, let's talk about commitment thing, but we might have to go Facebook official. Okay, we're Facebook official. (laughs) And we've now put it in audio that's going to stay there, so we've got to do it. Okay, everybody. Punchingsideways.com to share the show. Press on the Buy Me A Coffee button to support the show. Congrats to Mel for this. I mean, she just actually did her job for once. Hashtag producer Mel and brought someone to the show. That's <laughs> and a- chime a Josh. <laughs> yeah, I got to chime in, which was awesome. But she was an amazing guest and hopefully we can just continue to get a more and more varied amount of amazing peeps on here from around the region. Yeah, I'm excited, Big Kev. Okay. Thanks. It's official. <laughs>